Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. And so we're, we're finishing this series. Next week I'll be launching a relationship series, a survival guide for relationships. How many know relationships are crazy sometimes? And we need, uh, we need the Bible to help us walk through relationships and how we are to function in this world when it comes to relationships. And so today we're going to continue or finish our series called Salt and Light. And really the basis, the thing that really the Lord um, spoke to me about about this series was just making us aware the reality of the influence that we really have. And Jesus told us that we had influence. Jesus told us that we would be uh, salt and light in the earth. You know, today's society and the way church goes, and you may not understand this, but, uh, you know, 10 years ago, even prior to COVID, what, what kind of the mentality of the American church was this, that if I invite them, which we want you to, if I invite them, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, it's going to be the pastor's job. Everybody point at me. This will be the last time you point. Go ahead, point at me. Everybody point. It's going to be my job to close the deal, if you would, per se. Meaning, like, you get them in the room, and I uh, preach a message, and I preach the word of God, which is real, and, and God's, God will change their life. That's important. We still want that to continue because I believe that the lost are, are coming and are here. Here's the point, though. That's only effective about 20% of the time now. And the reason it's only effective about 20% of the time is God is really repositioning and reformatting and realigning and bringing his church full circle. What that means is, is he's taking us back to the book of Acts, where he says, you will be witnesses for me. That the church is not intended to be um, uh, uh, just stuck in the salt shaker, if you would. You ever get salt out in the cabinet that ain't used in a while, and, you, and it's, all, it's all together and hard, you got to throw it up against the wall to get it to work? Right, And so that's kind of where the church has been. Is we, like, we've been in the salt shaker. We've been coming to church, but the salt has got, you know, hardened. And it's really good for nothing. Nobody wants a chunk of salt on their french fries. Amen. But if you spread it out, it makes it even better, doesn't it? Come on. The point is, is that God is calling his church back to become and to come into its divine design. God created me and you for this. He did not create it to where it's just to be a show or, or come hear a person talk. That's important. We have to have our locker room. Come on. How many watched football yesterday? Right? I know what's, boy, dear Lord, we, mercy. Boy, I didn't know what was going to happen yesterday. Fourth quarter, I had to, I kind of slept with one eye open and one, you know, kind of wondering what in the world are we doing out here. But anyway, it's okay. Uh, we figured it out. We got, we got some room. When I say we, I was on the sideline helping the Buckeyes yesterday. If you guys didn't know that, that was me now. That was me. Anyway, so we're all armchair quarterbacks. Um, but the point is, is that we all need a locker room, and that's what church is. It's where we're equipped. It's where we're given the play. It's where, it's where God tells us what the playbook is. And, yeah, things happen, and we're restored. That's part of the playbook. That's part of getting ourselves together. And then we develop this purpose, and then from here is we're supposed to make an impact out there. Right And today, like last week I talked to you about why, this week I want to talk to you about how. How do we share 
our faith. Maybe you've never heard a message on how to do it, right? Because sometimes, like, I'm just like, go share your faith. And you're like, I don't know what to say. Go reach people. I don't know what to do. I'm, here I am. Go out and just smile. Well, I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you on how to do it. If you're a teenager, too, this works well when you're at school, when you're hanging out with your friends. It all works. But the point is, is that God is calling his church back to a place of influence. Salt makes things let me see if you were paying attention last week. Salt makes things better, good. And light makes things yeah, good. This side of the church was paying attention. There's one or two over here, but we got you on this side. Salt, salt, salt makes things better, and light makes things brighter. And, and these are the two, it's just really ordinary things that Jesus used to communicate to us about our goal and our purpose in this world. We determined this, a quote I read last week was, I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to follow God because they know me. And so that's the influence, that's the salt and light. So Matthew chapter 5 in the message says this, let me tell you why you're here. Would that be a good reason to read the Bible? He's going to tell us why we're here on the earth. A lot of people don't know why they're here. They think they're supposed to just work and provide for their family. They think they're just supposed to create this income and have a successful life. And at the end of it, somebody's going to read your eulogy about all the great stuff that you did and provided and those sorts of things. But man, listen, don't go to heaven alone. Because your purpose on the earth is not just success. Your purpose on the earth is significance. See, I say it all the time. Success is about you. We put our success plans together and we try to figure out how we can be the most successful person on the earth. Well, listen, God wants you to be significant and significance is about others. How are you making a difference? And he says, this is why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this thing. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, this is it, you'll be prompting people to open up with God. So people don't automatically open up to God without a prompting from somebody else. So how does that work? How do, he says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father which is in heaven. Second Corinthians puts it this way, 520 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We represent the kingdom of heaven. We represent Jesus on the earth, and he says, you're salt and light, and he says, you're the ambassador for Jesus. And he says, God is making his appeal through his ambassadors. This is your Bible. God's making his appeal. God's saying you're salt and light, and he wants to make an appeal to the earth that is broken, that is without God, that have no direction. He wants to appeal to them through you his plan for their life. Listen to me. What an honor. What an honor to be used by the, the, the king of heaven that Christ would, that, 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 that we are his ambassadors and he's making his appeal through us. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says it this way. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. 
Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, what he was, what he was encouraging the church of Colossae to do was not just to be churchgoers. Don't present yourself one way in church or your religious moments and act towards outsiders differently. You know, Christians can be some of the meanest people in the world. You know that? Look at your neighbor and say, you have a tendency to be mean. Careful if you're married. <laughs> we, all have, we, all have, we all have those tendencies in us. And he says this, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, he's trying to communicate the way that salt is out of the shaker is through conversation. He says, let your conversation be seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer anyone. Do you realize we're living in a world today where people have questions? People, people are walking away from Christ and they're, they're walking away from church, but, but more importantly, people that have never entered into the church or never made a decision for Jesus, the skepticism and the judgmental mentalities that is being propagated against the church. Listen to me for a minute, and rightfully so in some cases. Right? There are people walking around that have been to church that fight church hurt. There are people that are going through different things in their life where they blame God and wonder, how in the world is this happening? Why am I, how am I walking through? Why has this bad thing happened to me? And so for us, we have to understand that we have an opportunity. So here's the question. How do I share my faith. First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you How many know preparation is a good thing? If I'm going to go out and play golf tomorrow, which I'm not, but I will at some point. If I'm going to go play golf, how many know there's preparation when it comes to playing golf? Right, you got to get you got to get your shoes ready. You got to make sure you got, I got to make sure, I got to make sure I got enough golf balls. Because me and the lake and the trees have really good relationships. I got to make sure I got enough tees in my bag. I got to make sure my clubs are shiny and no dirt on them. Make sure I take care of them. Prep. Got to get a tea time. Got to call in, say, hey, here, I'm going to be in 1020. Be there, ready to show off. Here I come. Coming in, bring it in. Get the cart. Because we don't walk. This brother does not walk a golf course. Uh-uh, you forget that craziness. I'll pay the extra. Got to make sure you got snacks. Amen. Right, because sometimes that, that snack card don't come by but once in 18. Hey, that's not enough. Come on now. <laughs> you got to make sure you got a box of Nutri-Grain bars somewhere close to some Gatorade. If not, you'll die out there on this court. I'm telling you, some of them courses will kill you. Especially if you go down the fairway like this. That's me. Amen. The point is, is that you have to be prepared. It's funny to me that we take four to six years of our life to prepare for a career through college we take four to six years to prepare for that. Think about marriage for just a minute. Now, I do a lot of marriage counseling, those sorts of things. A lot of people don't take a lot of time to prepare for marriage, right? And it's going to be the thing you do for the rest of your life, right? And so there's a preparation to everything. Why not let there be a preparation to give an answer to everyone that is seeking one? He says, he says let answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So here's how you do it. Number one, how do you share your faith? Number one, you got to connect with people. You got to connect with people. You're like, Pastor, that's not hard. It's hard for some people. 
Oh, I'm an introvert. I, I have a tough time connecting with people. Look, there's other introverts. There's people all over the place that you can connect with. So how do you connect with people? You need to value people, right? You need to value people. You need, you need to, when you're connecting with people, you need to let them share their perspective about life. You don't come at them with the Bible thumping on their head talking about, if you don't get saved today, you're going to go to hell. It's not going to work, folks. you got to actually learn how to have a connecting conversation with somebody and really show them that you care. You're like, Pastor, this is way too practical for a Sunday. Yeah, but it's the toughest thing for most of you to do. See, because a lot of people, as the old quote says, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. So we have to value people. We have to let them see. See, we have to let them belong before they believe. Jesus did it. You know these fools that he walked around with for three years? They didn't even believe at the end. They had walked with this man for three years. He was raising the dead. He was casting out devils. He was healing lepers. I mean, he was doing some crazy things. And at the end of it all, all of these fools, he told them, I'm going to be crucified. They're going to put me in a tomb, but in three days, I'm going to get up. He was giving them a little message there, and there they are. <laughs> Is that what he said? Like, they didn't even get it. They, in other words, Jesus allowed these guys to belong to him before they believed in him. Oh, they followed him, and they laid everything down, but it wasn't until Acts and the, and the ascension that things really started to click for these guys. Peter went fishing. He's like, you know what? This is it. I'm done. He denied, her, denied him at the fire around the youth group, and then he went back fishing is what he said. I'm just going to go fishing again. He's like, that was a waste of three years of my life. Jesus came, walked on the, came on the beach and set him free and made him into a world changer. The point is this, is that we have to connect with people. We have, to, we have to let them belong before they believe. All of the disciples had to belong before they believed. There are some people that just need to know you. They need to know the story in you. They need to see your life as an example of what it means to follow the Lord. They need, they need an example in front of them of what it means to just have an authentic, real relationship with him. So you are the ones that show that. So listen, here's, when you're connecting with people, don't be pushy. Don't be patient. Be, be, be patient. Don't be pushy. Be, 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 be patient. Do you like that? Be patient. Don't manipulate them. I used to, I remember I'd sit and listen to people in church and the pastors get up and they'd start preaching. They'd be like, now, if you need to know Jesus, what if you get out here on I-73 and all of a sudden you get hit by a car? And all of a sudden the emotions hit the person and the people in the room and they're like, I might spend eternity, right? Some of that's manipulation. You can't say this might be your last day, though it might be. We don't know that. The point is, is don't use manipulation. Connect authentically with people. Here's the greatest thing you can do to connect with people is to listen. Listen. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Some of you, this needs to be working in your marriage. He gave you two ears and one mouth. In other words, he wants you to listen twice as much as you talk. So when you're talking to people that don't know the Lord, listen, just listen. Don't try to fix them. Don't try to, don't try to, don't try to, don't try to fix them and try to change them. Some people just want you to listen to them. 
Luke 10, 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Number two is share your story with people. Share your story with people. Because listen, listen, the, the worst way to evangelize and to share your faith is to tell people how they need to change. The worst thing you can do, now if you get this right and you get this right and you get this right and you change this and you change that, but all of a sudden you start to present a gospel that's not by grace but by works. And you want them to get their deal together before they actually say yes to him. But what God wants you to do is start to tell your story. See, your story is evidence that he changes people. Come on, somebody. Is, is that your story? Is that, that, that the evidence of your life is that he changes people? You walk around as, as the evidence. See, practically, how do you, how do you share your story? This is it's real simple. How, number one, how I realized I needed Christ. When you're going to share your story with somebody, it's really simple. How I realized I needed Christ. What was that moment? Mine was May of 1994. I realized I'd lived a certain way for a long time, and I realized I needed Jesus. I wasn't going to be able to, I wasn't going to, be able to change myself. So when was the moment that you realized you needed Christ? When was the moment that you committed your life to Christ? When did you say yes? If I ask some of you, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know when I did that. Listen, when did you commit your life to Christ? And then finally, the difference that it's made in your life. How has saying yes to Jesus made the difference? Some of you are like, well, it got worse. Well, yeah, it got worse. You were running in the enemy's camp, and you left the enemy's camp. You think he's just going to make it better for you? No, you left the enemy's camp. And now you're following Jesus, and oh, you got bumps in the road, and you got detours that happen, and there's struggle that goes on in your life. But majority of the time, when Jesus moves in, everything starts to, everything starts to get better. And he gives you the battle armor to fight those battles. So that's how you share your story. Acts 1.8 says, you'll be my witnesses. What is a witness? You go, to the, you go to court, and you're a witness. That means you saw something. You experienced something. So they want to ask you, what did you see? Well, I seen him run the, I mean, uh, I, I recently, uh, there was a car accident right in front of me, and I was turning into the mire, amen, it was two lanes, and I was turning into the grocery store, and uh, I, in my heart, felt weight, and as I felt weight, I had green, and I just felt weight, and all of a sudden, this kid, 16 years old, comes speeding right through, it, a T-bone and killed my wife, and I just waited, and he came through, well, the person beside me didn't see because they couldn't see around me. And came and she pulled out and he T-boned her, but um, there was nobody in the passenger seat, so she was good. The point is this, is I was a witness. So when the police showed up on the scene, they're like, what'd you see? Well, here's what happened. I told them exactly what I seen and saw and heard and felt and all that sort of stuff, right? Well, that's what a witness is. When you receive Jesus, all you're doing is displaying the evidence and the things which you've seen and heard. So stop trying to make it difficult. How has he changed your life? And, and when was that moment, and how has he made a difference in your life? It's that simple. And then you start to share that with people in conversation, valuing them, spending time with them, listening to them, and all of a sudden there'll be a moment where God wants you to begin to share your story. And number three is this, invite them to a place where they can experience God. Invite them to a place, how do you share your faith? Invite them to a place where they can experience God. I believe and pray every single week that this would be a place that people could experience God. I believe that there's places where you can experience God. I'll never forget, I was working in college, 
when I was in Bible school, and I was working at the Harvest Buffet. Come on, somebody. Known for its fried catfish. And I was working at the buffet because I didn't have any other experience in the workforce but working in restaurants. And so I was working at the Harvest Buffet, and I was a waiter. And uh, basically all I did was drop drinks and pull plates is what I did, made money. And so I, I went out one time, and I was in Bible school, and the Lord was just working on my heart. And uh, he was moving on my heart, and all of a sudden, I started crying at the table, waiting tables. I'm out here, I'm getting ready to give them Mountain Dews. I know it's hard to believe that I'd be crying in the moment, for those of you that have been around here long enough. But I started crying in the moment. I was like, Lord, what in the world? And the Lord said, you're crying. I'm putting a compassion. I want you to learn what compassion looks like. I'm putting compassion on your heart for the guy behind you. So I turned around, and there was a young man sitting in the booth. He was a, one of our cooks. So I went over, and I sat down in the booth with him, and then the Lord just started to just, I just felt just like, hey, I wanted to, I want to share the Lord with him. So I went over, and I started, again, I started valuing him. I said, man, well, how's everything going in your life? He's like, oh, things are great, right? He started doing the old facade thing. Then, hey, things are great, and this, that, and the other. I said, well, I just want to, I just want to share my story with you. Is that all right? He said, oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to hear your story. So I started sharing my story with him, telling him how the Lord set me free from addiction. And how the Lord came into my bedroom in May of 1994. Well, I'd never been churched before in my entire life. And all of a sudden, I just started sharing my story. I didn't preach it. I just shared it with him. And uh, all of a sudden, I said, well, man, do you want, do you want God to change your story? Because that's really what he's doing. He's changing people's story. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, listen to your story. And I feel like the Lord, you know, so all of a sudden, I pray for this kid at the, at the booth. And all of a sudden, man, he lights up, lights up like a light bulb. So I knew, man, this was cool. I mean, I was bouncing around there all day long, serving drinks, like tossing them on the table. Man, I had just, woo, this brother just said, yes! All of heaven was rejoicing. Next day he comes in. He says, hey, can I talk to you on the break? I said, yeah, man, let's talk. So we sit down. He said, bro, he said, you know how I told you everything was going okay? He's like, yeah. I just, he said, actually, it wasn't. I said, what you mean? What's, what's happening? And he said, only God would have known that the way my life was going is that last night was going to be my last night. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I wrote, I wrote the suicide letter. I wrote the suicide letter that I wrote it this morning. And tonight was going to be my last night here on the earth. And I said, well, bro, I said, how are you doing now? He said, bro, I went home. I ripped the suicide note up and I realized that I got a purpose in Jesus now. And all of a sudden, his life changed right there in the just in a moment. But listen, it took me spending time with somebody that maybe, like, I wasn't, look, I, was, look, I didn't grow up in church, so I don't have theology at this moment. I don't have all the, the Bible verses and everything written down. I'm just telling him my story. I'm not trying to articulate what the Word says and this and that, and I'm not doing any of that. I'm just sharing with him who I was and the sin that I was in, Jesus came to be an answer for me, and I received Jesus. He set me free from those things, and now my life is different. He experienced the exact same thing. The only thing that people are waiting on is for people to have enough boldness to share their story. So we must share our story. We must invite them. So what, what do I mean? He, I invited him in a booth to experience God. Not to experience Jason, but to experience God. He experienced God in that moment, see, Jesus is someone to be encountered. Jesus is not somebody that you should philosophize who he is. 
He's not, a, he's not somebody that you just theologically should get correct. He's not just somebody that you mentally ascend of all your knowledge of who Jesus is because I know all this Bible stuff. Listen to me. I know a lot of people that know a lot of Bible. And they're not, they're, they're not in that place where they're sharing what the Lord wants to do. They just keep stuffing their stuff with the Bible. Y'all need a spiritual enema. Come on, somebody. And that outlet is going to be sharing your story of what God has done. They don't care about the Greek and Hebrews or Romans 5, 5. What they care about is this is who I am, and this is what Jesus can do, and this is how Jesus can make a difference. It's that simple. Now get enough boldness to share your story. Invite them into a place to experience Jesus. We are to encounter him. We've gotten away from encountering him, allowing people to encounter the Lord, experience the person of Jesus. First Corinthians puts it this way. Paul articulates this. And here's what he says. First Corinthians 2, verse message. He says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you know in God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Here's what he said. He said, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. This is what the world needs. They just need something plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. It's really simple, folks. There's a problem. Number one, he identifies that there's a problem. And the problem is, is that we are separated by, uh, from God through sin. There's a problem. Romans tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. The problem is, is, is this is your before life, before Jesus. You're, you're explaining to them about the sin. Then there's the solution. And the solution is, is that God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the response is when they experience him. But to, be, but to all who believed him and accepted, he gave the right to become children of God. If God gave people the right to become children of God, why are we getting in the way of their right? Why are we being the people that are being the stumbling block to people experiencing the right to become children of God? We are to experience him and lead people into a place to experience him. Why do people say no? It's not because of your story. It's not because all of a sudden they just have this deliberate, cynical attitude towards God. It's because they have the wrong picture of God. People say no because they have a bad picture of God, and picture equals perspective. And I just want to give you four quick pictures that I think people, that, that this perception of what people have about Jesus, three of them are their picture, and the fourth one is the correct view. The first picture is a locked gate. And the locked gate represents this, God can't be reached. So when you see the locked gate, God can't be reached. He's locking me out from experiencing him. A lot of people have this view of God, that, that he's there, but you can't come in. You're too messed up to pass through this. 
See, that's a myth. The myth is that God can't be reached. Acts 17, 27 says he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. Listen, so if you're watching online, you're here today, or you know people that have this perspective that God would, God can't be reached. I can't reach him. I, I'm stuck outside. Hold on a second. That's not the view and the picture by which God does and shows us for our lives. Number two picture is just a pile of luggage. This is a picture that people have. In other words, the, the picture is that God doesn't want me. God doesn't want me. If I could dump the luggage, if I could dump the baggage, because I'm such a, a bad person, then maybe God would receive me. See, and I really believe the church has created this image that we want people to clean up before they come. The purpose is that when they come to Jesus with all their baggage, God, let God offload the baggage. Let God set them free from those things. So, so they have this picture of a pile of luggage that God doesn't want me. And then there's, a, there's another picture that, that people represent, wrestle with, and it's an endless ladder. The myth is this, is that God requires a lot from me. See, it's an endless ladder. God requires a lot from me. What's this mean? Is people see it through the lens of works. They feel like they have to do certain things in order for God to receive them. That they just have to keep climbing and climbing and doing good and being okay and just keep climbing, and eventually they'll make it. See, these are real pictures that people deal with. See, the whole passage of faith without works is dead is not applied to before salvation. That's applied to after salvation. See, faith without works is dead is not salvation-based or to experience salvation. Faith without works is after salvation, so it's not a ladder. God's not trying to put this rule and this regulation on people. And if we have created this, God wants us to change our view. He wants us to help people's perspective. And I think the greatest way by which we show people the right perspective of God is that it's a free gift. It's a free gift. Not something they can earn, not something that they deserve. See, because a free gift is the true picture of God. See, when you're presenting your story and you're sharing with people, it is a true picture, it is a free gift. He's giving you a gift that you didn't deserve. It's not like a gift that you get for no reason, like Christmas or your birthday. It's not one of those gifts. It's a gift that you couldn't pay for. It, it's a gift that you can't buy. It's a, it's, it's a gift that you can't earn. It's a gift that you didn't deserve. And see, what it took was the sacrifice of his son that he freely gave his life for us. And then when he gave his life freely on the cross for us, what he was communicating to us is that all of what I just said. I will, I will deal with the baggage. I will open the gate. 
I will, I will, I will, I will. Uh, there's no ladder. It's just one step into his arms. God wants you to understand, and he wants you to know that this right here is the story of your life. You received a free gift called salvation. But you hold on to the gift that was designed, not just for you, but to be freely given. So the question this morning is what are we going to do about a true picture of God? Are we gonna continue to present a God that it's do all the right stuff and then you're good? Are we gonna present a God that says climb your, climb your way up and you'll make it? Go, climb as high as you can and you'll make it. Or are we gonna present God in a way that when we tell our story, there was a problem and it was called sin and this was my life. This, this was what I was, I was dealing with and, and the result of, the, of what I was dealing with was sin. But there was a solution and he came, the Bible said, with full of grace and truth and it's a free gift. See, it's not by works that anyone should roast, it's but by faith. And all of a sudden you start to share the solution of Jesus being the bridge for eternity. Why do we need Jesus? Because you can't save yourself. He's the only one that qualified to come and give his life for you. And after I received the solution, there has, there, after the solution, there's a response, and that response is me, by faith, saying yes. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need him to be the Lord and Savior. I know every week we pray this prayer together, and some of you ho-hum through it, but listen, these are heaven and hell issues. We're praying with somebody every week that's, that needs to say yes to Christ. So the prayer, if you prayed, it ain't for you. It's you're in agreement that they're receiving a free gift that, that by God, that, that their lives will be changed and transformed. Now, how does this work when you're out in the marketplace? Value people. Here's a good one for you. You wanna be an example for Jesus? Show up on time to work. Well, pastor, I'm 10 minutes early to everything. 10 minutes early, I'm 10 minutes late. I know what you're getting at. Be an example where you're working work the hardest. Well, you mean that speaks to people? It's a bridge to allow a conversation to happen because they see something different about you. And when they start to see something different about you, God will come in and begin to change their picture. Here's what's really cool about this, is that you might be the only picture that people see. So how well you paint the picture for people? God wants them to experience him. What if we lead people to experience a true picture of God? What if that was your mission in life? What if this week you were like, you know what? I know there's people that are dealing with those three other pictures, but this week I'm just gonna choose one and I'm gonna build a relationship with them. I'm gonna invest in them. 
I'm going to spend time with them. I'll have a conversation with, with them. And then all of a sudden, God starts to move, and you get to share your story. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. Let's close our eyes this morning, bow our heads today. If you're in this place, if you're watching online today, and you say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today, I know there is a problem, and that problem is sin. That problem is, is I've been separated from God. But there is a solution, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says, he's the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father except through him then there is a response, and that's gonna be for you in just one moment. In one moment, whether you're online or you're in the room, you're gonna get an opportunity to pray in faith, believing in response to what he's done for you. Maybe today you're questioning. Let me encourage you today. You will not have all the answers ever in your entire life. God wants you to come by faith. You can't get God in your brain. He's too big for that. He created the heavens and the earth. How do you reason that? You can't. You just come by faith. And you say, I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the dead for me. I believe there's a free gift for me, and it's called salvation. I believe that there's grace, and, and I believe that I don't deserve it, but I know that he gave it, and so I want it. And I want to be free. I wanna be free, I wanted my life to make a difference and it starts with me being free. Some of you in this room, you're like, how do I battle this anger? You're gonna to have to surrender. How, how, how do I battle the tension that I'm experiencing in my life right now? You're gonna to have to surrender. You're gonna to have to understand that you need the solution, which is Jesus. If you're in this place today and you say, I'm battling, I don't know Jesus, or I'm battling, like I'm trying to figure this thing out and I want to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. You know, I'm gonna say something, and I, this is a prophetically in my heart, and I'm just gonna say it. Some of you in your present day reality don't understand why you are where you are, but more importantly, you don't understand why the things in your past happened the way they happened. And you've been trying to figure out your past for a long time and you can't figure it out. And you're at the place where you're trying to figure it out so much that it actually creates rage and anger in you. That you're so upset that you can't figure it out. Let me encourage you today. Surrender the past that you don't understand. Start again. Let, let, God, let God breathe something brand new into your heart. You may not understand it all, but what you can do is be in that place of gratitude right where you are and allow the Lord to begin to, to shift and change those things in your life. So if that's you on any occasion this morning, you say, that's me, Pastor. I need to make a decision. I'm fighting some of those things you're talking about. I need to surrender. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. Just raise up your hand. I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that, but I do want to pray for you. Anybody at all? We'll say, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. If you're watching online today, just put the word yes in the comments.
that whole past thing that's creating this anger, that's in this room right now and I sense it really big and the Lord wants to set you free from that stuff. To the point it's affected your identity, you don't even know who you are anymore. You're trying to figure out who you are. All the way down to who you are as, an, as identity. And you've been wrestling with some spirits and you say, well, it's just an idea. No, it's a spirit. And I'm telling you right now, the Lord gave me that prophetic word, and I believe today that you're in this room. So if you're in this room, nobody's looking around. I just want to pray for you. Just raise up your hand. I want to pray for you if that's you. You say, that's something I'm battling, for real. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anybody else? So I'm gonna gonna pray a prayer right now and I want you to agree with me. I'm gonna pray for the end prayer first. I wanna pray for those that this past thing because that's heavy right now. And there's people in this room that are dealing with some stuff. Don't be in a hurry, it's all right. Cracker Barrel will be there when we get there. But we wanna take time. Listen, we talk about experiencing God. Let's let people, let's let people experience him. We have to make room for him for them, make room for them, make room for him, for them, so they can experience him. So Lord, we pray for those, Lord, right now that are experiencing those things. The Lord, they're trying to figure out their past and understand it. Lord, there's a lot of stuff that's in the filter of their hearts. And Lord, they've tried to today figure out why they got, how they got to this place and, and the places of their past and and those things and trying to figure those things out. Well, Lord, I thank you today that in this moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that Lord, that you would lift the heavy burden and you would destroy every yoke that's on their life, every misunderstanding of the enemy because he comes through their thoughts to still kill and destroy. But you've come that they might have life and have life to the fullest. So Lord, today I thank you that you're wiping the slate clean that, Lord, today you are setting them free. Thank you, Lord, that they acknowledged a problem. And now, Lord, as we pray, thank you for the solution, being the presence of God coming into this place and in their response right now in this moment with a raised hand, let them experience you. Oh, but I gotta be good enough. I gotta, I gotta climb the ladder. I, gotta, I hear that in my heart. Like, I hear that this morning. That's not Jesus. It's simply surrendering to him with open arms like a little kid does when their daddy walks through the door. It's not a forced surrender like a police officer would. It's a surrender that when dad walks through the door, those little kids' hands automatically go up and they want their daddy's arm. They want to be hugged by their daddy, embraced, and they want to see what their daddy sees. That's the, that's the, that's the level of surrender of what God has for us is that place of surrender. So Lord, today, those in this room that need to just lay this down, we lay it down right now. And we say in Jesus' name, this will no longer torment me. This will no longer affect my marriage. This will no longer affect my relationship with my kids. This will no longer affect my career. This will no longer affect me in all areas. That the root has been revoked and rebuked and pulled up today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, will you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you 
for sending your son Jesus to be the solution to our problem called sin. And today, I receive him into my heart that I would become a new creature. Old things would pass away and all things would become new. We love you today. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for making me a new person. Thank you for filling me with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.